You know, this past week, uh, we, we went to Gabby's senior class chapel and awards ceremony. Now, as we walked into the school, uh, they gave us a program. Now, with the program, I was able to kind of see the timeline of the ceremony. I knew the order of events and what to expect during the ceremony, so uh, that kind of helped me follow along with things, right? Now, as we've been thinking about the resurrection, wouldn't it be nice if we had a program of events to see what will take place on Resurrection Day? Well, in fact, God gives us that very program. We see that here in our text. Today's text is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll be looking at verses 50 through 58 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 58. And if you don't have your Bible, then you can grab a pew Bible there and turn to page 904 in the pew Bible. Page 904 in the pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, you take that pew Bible, and that's our gift to you today. We want you to and take it, enjoy it, and uh, get Get all the good out of it. So, 1 Corinthians 15, page 904. So now last week, as we've been looking at the resurrection and the resurrection events and all the things surrounding the resurrection, the proofs of the resurrection, the benefits of the resurrection, all of those things, last week, Paul painted a word picture of our resurrected bodies for us. So there we saw that our resurrected bodies will be human bodies, transformed bodies, and restored bodies. So now here, in the next part of this text here, as he continues on, and actually he kind of concludes his discussion on, on the resurrection today, but here he reveals the, revelation, or the resurrection's program, the resurrection's program, the schedule of events, so that we might prepare ourselves for that day. So today we see four aspects, or we will see four aspects of the Resurrections program. Four aspects, four uh, things of the Resurrections program, the Day of Resurrection is program. And the main message that we, we see in this text is Paul unfolds all of this for us, what he wants us to learn. This is the main lesson. So if you don't get anything else, get this, right? If you tune me out the rest of the day, get at least this much. Get ready. Get ready. Because Resurrection Day is coming. Get ready. Get prepared. Because Resurrection Day is coming. And my hope and prayer that today as you hear this, this message, as we look at this text, that this message will con convince you to not waste any time. Waste no time in this precious life that you have. Get ready for the day of the resurrection. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians 15, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50, hear the word of the Lord. I tell you this, brothers, 
flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we look at our text this morning, the first aspect of the resurrection's program that we see here is the time of the resurrection. The time of the resurrection. And, and the first thing as we, we begin to look at this, we, we kind of notice what's not there. What's not there? And, and we discover that the time of the resurrection is an undisclosed time. It's an undisclosed time. Look there at verses 50, starting at 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He makes that statement kind of a transition into what he is about to say, and he's going to explain that more as we go through that. Verse 51, behold, pay attention. Right? That's an interjective. It's saying, pay attention now. Listen, this is important. Get this. He wants us to understand what he's saying. I tell you a mystery. I tell you a mystery. That word mystery there is a word that oftentimes, as it's used in the New Testament, most often it's used to indicate a divine secret that has, has now been openly revealed. So it, it's a mystery. It's been a mystery in the past. Right? The Old Testament uh, believers, they, they didn't understand all of these things. It, it was hidden from them. God has hidden these things, but now he's revealing them. So he's about to reveal a divine mystery to us New Testament believers. I tell you, a mystery. But as we look here and he unfolds this mystery of the resurrection, we see that there is at least one detail missing. And that's the actual time. He's unfolding, he's revealing much of the mystery, but the timing of this day, the timing of the resurrection is still not disclosed. It remains undisclosed to us. 
We don't know the time. We don't know the hour. We don't know when it will take place. We just know it's coming. In fact, Jesus said in Mark 13, 32 through 33, but concerning the day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. See, Jesus even says in his earthly ministry, in his humanity, in that first, in the incarnation, when, on his first coming, not even he knew the time. Now we understand, we need to understand something about Christ, his person. In the incarnation, the divine becomes human, right? He was 100% divine, yet he was 100% human. Now, this is mind-blowing. We don't understand how the divine and human can exist together. That, that just don't quite go together, but God accomplished it because God is an amazing God. And so we know that Jesus, in his divinity, right, in his godliness, he withholds all the attributes of God. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient, right? He, he's all-powerful. He knows all things, Yet, in his humanity, in his first coming, at least, in his humanity, he says, not even I know, right? He was limited in his humanity. His humanity was limited. Though in his divinity, he was omnipotent, all-powerful, yet in his humanity, he got tired. And he had to sleep. He had to have rest. In his omnipotence, he, he understood everything. I mean, he created the universe. He wrote the scriptures. He knew all things because he is omniscient God. Yet in his humanity, he grew in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And even here, he says, I don't know the time. In his humanity, he did not under, know the time. That was hidden from him. He was limited. Now today, I'm quite sure that Jesus, in his divinity and humanity, as he sits as a human king in glory, he knows the time and the hour. But in his earthly ministry, he did not. That hadn't even been disclosed to him in his humanity. And so it's not disclosed to us. It's not something for us to know. We can't know that. So all of these wingnuts out there who want to say, oh, I know the day and the tower. And, you know, I've read the scriptures and I've figured it out. Here's the day and the hour. And you've seen those. They've, they've been out there and there, there'll be more of them to come, I'm quite sure. There's going to be some more pronouncements before it's all over with. Day, hour, all of those types of things. Don't listen to them. Are they really saying that they are more intelligent than Jesus Christ? That they know more than Jesus knew in his earthly ministry? Really? No, we don't know the time. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. We don't know when it will take place. It is at an undisclosed time. We cannot know it. 
The only indication of time that has been given to us is Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So the gospel's got to go to all the nations first. And then the end will come. All of those who are elect by God in eternity past, they have to come into the kingdom. And only then will the trumpet sound. So it's an, an undisclosed time. Second we see, the second part about the time that we see here is that it is an instantaneous time. It's an instantaneous time. Look at verse 52 there. Or actually back up a little bit. Uh, I'm disclosing to you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. At the last trumpet. It's an in, this, uh, instantaneous time. Now every morning, I wake up to the sound of reveille. Some of you, that woke you up right there. What's that? Did I miss it? Right? I wake up to that every morning because, I mean, when that trumpet sounds, man, my eyes come open. I throw back those covers and I jump out of bed ready to go, ready to attack my day. I love it. It gets me going. I mean, just right then, boy, it got me, just hearing it got me going. And you know, on that day, on Resurrection Day, there will be a heavenly reveille. In a moment, that trumpet will sound. Now, I don't know what the heavenly reveille will sound like, but it's going to sound, and all of a sudden things are going to happen. It's going to be instantaneous in a moment. It's going to be a shock. You're not going to know it's coming instantaneous and when that trumpet sounds the time for preparing for that trumpet is over it's done think about a race at the track it's track and field time right now you think about the the runners at a race and the line judge says, runners on your mark, get ready. Now when he says on your mark, get ready, that, that's an indication to the runners to, to get down in the blocks, to get prepared to go, to get ready for that, the snap of the starter pistol. Now if they're not ready, when that pistol goes off, the race is over for them. They're done. God says right here, on your mark, get ready because the starter pistol is about to sound 
at any moment. It's going to sound. And when it's over, when it, when, it, when it snaps, when the trumpet goes off, the time to get ready is over. And dear friend, if you're not ready, when the trumpet blasts its first note, you've missed it. Dear Christian, once the trumpet blasts, there's no more time to serve the Lord and lay up treasures in heaven. It's over. It's done. Your time of service to Christ is over. Dear unbeliever, when the trumpet blasts, your time for repentance and trusting in Christ is over. It's done. And you remain in your sins. The time of preparation is now. When the time of resurrection comes, all time of preparation is over. Get ready. Get ready. Prepare yourself now for that day, that moment. If the trumpet sounded right now, are you ready? Are you prepared? Have you laid up sufficient amount of rewards in heaven? Is your heart ready to meet Christ? The time of the resurrection is undisclosed it can happen at any moment and it's instantaneous it will happen in a second in a flash the twinkling of an eye and it's over are you ready so we see the time of the resurrection next we note the events of the resurrection the events of the resurrection going back there to the the second part of 52 he says therefore the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable when the trumpet sounds the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality now we talked about a lot about the perishable putting on the imperishable last week and the mortal putting on the immortality last week we discussed that but as we see this we see the events of the resurrection now of course the the main event is christ's return it's his return he's he's going to come down from heaven descend with the angels and the saints in heaven that's the main event paul's not really concerned with that his main focus is the resurrection that's a part of that event the return of christ so he's focusing in on what's taking place in the resurrection itself that event and we see two things taking place we see two events taking place in the the resurrection first the dead are resurrected the dead are resurrected the dead are are resurrected brought back to life and then the living are transformed the living are transformed if you want to flip over to first thessalonians first thessalonians it's a, a few pages there to the to the right first thessalonians first thessalonians chapter 4 tells us 
uh, a little bit more, gives us kind of a different uh, outlook or a different uh, view of the resurrection. It says much of the same things that we see here in 1 Corinthians, but uh, he gives us a few more details here, or different details, if you will. 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So those who are dead in Christ, they're in heaven, their spirits are in heaven with the Lord, but now Jesus is going to bring their spirits with him when he returns. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet him, uh, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will all be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So the dead in Christ, they'll be resurrected first. That's the first thing, right? They, they, they're going to come out of the grave. The graves are going to burst open, and the dead in Christ, their bodies will be raised up in the air, and their body will meet their spirit. They'll be resurrected. Now, I just think about, think about that for a moment. Uh, I really hope I'm not in the cemetery on Resurrection Day, because that's going to be a little weird. Right, you're sitting there in the cemetery, and all of these bodies start bursting up out of out of the grave. I mean, that's what it says. They're going to be resurrected first. They're coming out of the grave, and their bodies are going to be recreated, and their spirit's going to meet their body and inhabit that body again. They'll be a, a whole person once again, but just. In a flash, in a moment later, all of us who are alive, those who are still here and living and breathing on the day of the resurrection, will be changed, will be transformed. Because this old body of flesh can't go into eternity. This old body of flesh, this, this perishable body, it can't make it in eternity. It can't, it can't stand before God. So it's going to be changed, it's going to be transformed into that new imperishable body powerful transformed spiritual body that we talked about last week it's going to be transformed in an instant as we're caught up with the rest of the saints and our savior jesus christ i don't know when i was reading through this and studying this I, uh, this the vision of the incredible hulk came to my mind because there you have David Banner, right? Don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. And he gets angry, and all of a sudden, David Banner, this weak human, turns into this incredible hawk. In a moment, in a flash, he's transformed. And in a way, that's how it's going to be for us. In a moment, we're going to be transformed from this weak, perishable body 
and to our powerful, imperishable, spiritual bodies. We're going to be transformed into something far better than the Incredible Hulk. We're going to be transformed into the image and likeness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As I've quoted this several times through this series, 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. We shall be like Jesus because we shall see Him as He is. As we're caught up in the air, we'll see Jesus and in a flash we'll be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. God created us in His own image and likeness and because of sin, that, that image and likeness has been defiled. But when we see Jesus, it'll be perfected once again. We'll bear the image and likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the resurrection, those in Christ will receive their eternal bodies. And then, then just think about that. When we receive those bodies, then it's, a, then it's that great reunion day, right? We get to see all of our loved ones who are in Christ. We'll get to see them. We'll, we'll have a, a reunion there in the air. And we'll rejoice with one another once again. Oh, what a glorious day. So there is the, the, times, the time and the events of the resurrection. Third, we see the accomplishments of the resurrection or the accomplishment of the resurrection. Look at verses 54 through 57. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come, the pa come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here shows us that in the, the resurrection, that resurrection event, Victory over death is finalized. Victory over death is finalized. As we've, we've already seen in 1 Corinthians, the last opponent, the last enemy to be put down is death. We still suffer from death. We have loved ones who, who have died and gone on to, to be with the Lord and we've buried their bodies. But in the resurrection, death is over. Death is defeated finally. Once and for all, death is no more. The victory over death is finalized. Never shall we suffer death or the effects of death again. Not only is there victory over death finalized, but victory over sin is affirmed. Victory over sin is affirmed. As Paul begins to, to think about this, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He gets excited and he begins to unfold some more theological reflections here. He begins to look at the, 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 how death 
uh, is connected to sin and then how sin is connected to the law. We see here the, de- the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Think about that. When we bury a loved one, death. The sting of death is sin. It's, it's sin that brought about death in the first place. Sin is what brought death into the world. Sin, the sin of Adam, and then Adam just was nice enough to pass it on down to the rest of us. Romans 5, 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, through Adam, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Because of our sin, death remains in the world. It remains an enemy. Sin brought death into the world, but we need to see here as well that sin was defeated on the cross. On Calvary's cross, sin was defeated. The nail of, to, to sin's coffin w- was driven in, right? Christ defeated sin on the cross. He crushed sin once and for all. Sin has been paid for. The debt of sin has been paid for. We have been redeemed from sin. And when resurrection day comes, that's just confirmation, that final affirmation that sin has been conquered. His power is no more. But the power of sin is the law. Now we need to understand here that Paul is not saying that the law is bad and the resurrection will mean the complete end of the law. No, the law is good and right and just. The law is a, a reflection of the very nature of God. It's good law. It's good. Paul's not putting down the law, but he does recognize here that the law is not able to save sinners. The law cannot save sinners. It it only stands to convict us. Romans 7, 7 through 12 points out three things that the law does for us sinners. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, right? I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So here, the law informs us of sin. The law informs us of sin. It, It tells us what's right and wrong, what is morally right and wrong. It informs us of sin, number one. Then, verse 8, but sin seizes the opportunity through the commandment, producing in me all kinds of covetousness, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. Not only does sin inform us of, not only does the law inform us of sin, but it also empowers sin within us. It empowers sin within us. It emboldens sin within the sinner. It emboldens us to sin all the more. I mean, reverse psychology works for a reason. 
because we by our very nature want to do the opposite of what we're told to do try it out with your little ones don't touch that vase do not touch that vase you hear me don't touch that vase or you're going to be in trouble and what do they do right they're going to touch the vase because they're depraved little sinners just like you and just like me when god's law says thou shalt not what do we want to do we want to shall do it we want to do it because that's the sinner in us it emboldens us to sin it causes us us to want to sin all the more Not only does it embolden us to sin, it brings knowledge of sin, emboldens us to sin, but here's the the part that most concerns us. Verse 9, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. Sin, for sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good but you see it cannot save sinners it brings knowledge of our sin it it, it emboldens us to sin and it convicts us to death for weak sinners the law provides no hope for salvation it only promises death death because of our own disobedience but christ christ has won the victory over sin and death and removed the condemnation of the law romans 8 1 there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus He's won the victory over the law's condemnation. Christ has won the victory over death, over sin, over the law, so that we might have life in Him. You know, those students in their awards ceremony, you think about this, they they knew what awards they they had won right they knew what awards they had won they had already been told and told uh, you know here's here's what you're getting this year but on awards day they received the prize on the cross christ won the victory over sin and death he won the victory there in that moment through his death and resurrection the victory has been won but on resurrection day we receive the prize for his work we receive the victory for his accomplishment praise christ for what he has done for us in christ we have won the victory 
So in the Resurrections program, we have the time, the events, and the accomplishments, and finally, we see the application of the resurrection. The application of the resurrection, pay attention. This is the application of the resurrection for our lives right here, right now. Paul says, tells us this in that last verse, verse 59, Therefore, my beloved brothers, and here he has a string of imperatives, a string of commandments. Here's what you need to do because of the resurrection, because it's coming, because it's going to take place, because God has affirmed this, because this is something that, that will take place. In just a moment, in an instant, therefore, beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Oh, dear friend, because of the resurrection, because it is coming, exercise immovable faith. Exercise immovable faith. The Corinthians, they had compromised their faith. They had bought into the secular uh, mentality, the secular ideology. And Paul says, no, don't compromise. Stand, faith, uh, stand fast. Be immovable in your faith. Quit compromising your faith. We see so many Christians compromising their faith. Instead of following the Word of God, they're following the culture. They're doing what the culture says is right, not what God says is right. They're weak. They're being tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine that comes along their way. No, friend, know this. The day of the resurrection is coming. Stand fast in your faith. Be immovable in your faith. Do not compromise the faith. As Paul tells us in Romans 12, 2, dear Christian, do not be conformed to this world, to their secular ideologies and secular morality, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be conformed to the Word of God. Be conformed to the Word of God. Not the culture. We've got to be counter-cultural. That's the whole point of this book, is to be counter-cultural. We can't adopt the world's ideologies. We can't adopt the world's morality. We must be immovable in the faith. Exercise immovable faith. Second, abound in the Lord's work. Abound in the Lord's work. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. We're to abound in the Lord's work. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared works for us to do. He has given us a ministry here at this church. He's given each and every one of you members a ministry here in the church, a place to, to serve Him, to use your gifts and talents to serve Him. Oh, don't waste a moment of your time. 
Don't waste a moment of your life. Don't fill them with foolish things, the foolish things of this world. Instead, use every moment to serve the Lord. Serve Him with whatever He has given you to do, whatever ministry, whatever part of this ministry He has given you to, to, to serve, serve the Lord. Be faithful in your service to the Lord. Abound. Abound in those works. Not just, you know, do them when you feel like it. When it feels good, all right? Abound in them. Let that be the main thing. You're, you're serving the Lord. Let your service to, be, to the Lord be the main thing. Not your, not your career. Not even your career should be your main thing. Not even your family should be the main thing. The service to the Lord is the main thing. Abound in your service to the Lord. At home, at work, at church, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. And by serving the Lord, being uh, abounding in the works of the Lord, accumulate treasures in heaven. Accumulate treasures in heaven, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. He's going to reward you. He's going to bless you. Scripture tells us over and over. Right? Jesus tells us. He, he acknowledges this. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Crowns are coming. Precious jewels are coming. Reward is coming for serving the Lord. Many of those students at their award, award ceremony, they, they knew that the day would come when they would graduate from high school and rewards would be handed out to them. Certificates, scholarships, cords, all right, graduation cords, plaques, all of these types of things. They knew that these awards were coming. They were going to be handed out. And long before they got to the award ceremony, they, they set their sights on those awards. For years, they sacrificed time and energy to, to work hard, to study, to, to practice and, and play hard. You know, they, they were working to receive these rewards. knowing that at the end they would receive that reward. We know that Resurrection Day is coming. On that day, we will be awarded our resurrected bodies. In addition to that, we will also stand before Christ and receive eternal rewards for our life of service to Him. That's why Jesus says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Therefore, dear friend, get ready. Get ready. Prepare yourself for the day of the resurrection is coming. It could be in the next five minutes. It could be a week from now. Or it could be a thousand years from now. 
we don't know when it's coming but it's coming get ready for that day get ready for the resurrection dear christian because resurrection day is coming be steadfast immovable in your faith always abounding in the works of the lord laying up for yourselves those treasures in glory and if you're here today and you don't know jesus if you've never surrendered your life to jesus because resurrection day is coming in a moment in the blink of an eye do not waste another second do not waste another second turn away from your sin and turn to jesus christ trust in him and he'll save you he will save you are you ready for the resurrection if not get ready now heavenly father Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have revealed this mystery to us. And Lord, we know for certain because you have promised us that resurrection day is coming. We know what to expect. Now, Lord, let us get ready for that day. And Lord, we just acknowledge our weaknesses. We acknowledge our own propensity to sin and to continue living in sin. But Lord, by the power of your Spirit within us, we have overcome sin. And Lord, we ask you to empower us as Christians to get ready. Empower our service. Teach us greater faithfulness. Lord, help us to get ready for that day. And Lord, if there's any who have never trusted in Jesus, they're not ready. And if the trumpet sounds in the next second, the next minute, the next hour, they haven't repented and trusted in Jesus. Their race is over. Their life is finished. Lord, turn their hearts to Christ now. Let them receive Jesus. Let them trust in Jesus. Lord, prepare them for resurrection day. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.